Hello all and welcome to Accidental Careers, the podcast where we talk to people about their jobs. Was the path there windy? Were they jobs they even knew existed? Let's find out. Today we talk to the utterly charming Helen Dimmock of Ainsworth Jewellers in Blackburn. So welcome to the podcast today, Helen. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for inviting me. I think it's a wonderful subject. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a subject uh, I thought long and hard about. And uh, the reason I got here was really because of my own children and their woes through picking uh, GCSEs, subjects for A-levels, etc. And it got me to thinking... I didn't know my day job existed when I was at school. So, and I, I've met so many people over the course of the last few months who have been in a similar situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I know that you're uh, doing something very different at the moment, which we'll come on to yes. uh, from what you set out to do. But take me back to uh, young Helen at school and her dreams of being a ballerina. I think young Helen at school probably had dreams like most little girls did. And and yes, I wanted to be a, a ballerina, but not just any ballerina. I wanted to be a prima ballerina at the Royal Ballet. And wow. now I was good at ballet. In fact, I, I was very good. I started from the age of three and um, my physicality meant that I was very well turned out and um, my body lent itself to, to ballet. I'm not at all sporty. So the fact that this was very much a sort of something I did on my own uh, and didn't have good hand-eye coordination, but certainly had a lot of strength and, and ability and flexibility to, to be a ballet dancer. And I did very well. So throughout, I did all my children examinations. I went on point when, like a lot of other people would, about sort of 10 or 11 years old. Okay. And then I was selected to do my adult examinations. So I did those very early. So this was with the Royal Academy of Dancing. And I passed them, which was wonderful. And then you do, you know, you start to think about your career don't you sort of about sort of 12 13 14 and I really still wanted to be a, a ballerina um I was good I was very good but the reality was I wasn't that good and I could have probably I certainly could have been a ballet teacher I probably could have got in a corps de ballet of, of a, a regional group something but I'm a perfectionist and I wanted and you wanted yeah. yeah and that it's it's a tough life, isn't it? I mean, oh, dancing right. of any sort, but particularly, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not blessed with that kind of um, physique, but uh, I do know that it's tough. It's a tough gig, isn't it? So, it, during yeah. those teenage years. Absolutely. And I did actually had quite an awful injury. Well, I, I had um, oh. my ligament started to come away from my left hip and that was painful. And wow. you're right though, because you go through school, I was doing well academically and I do have another interest that was really developing at the time. So reality hit. Um, mm. But the, the main thing was, and I'm going to quote somebody, Princess Diana, I grew too tall and that's the reality. I'm, I'm well over five oh. foot eight and ballerinas should be a little bit smaller at, at five foot, five foot three. But um, I hope that we'll talk about this later. But the lessons and the discipline that I learned through ballet have actually formed the foundation of, of my career. So it's mm. something that was really positive. And although I don't do it directly, there are many ways it has still come to life throughout the journey of my career and my life. Uh, and that's really good because, you know, getting those foundations, those principles in place early doors, you know, I guess set you off on the right path doesn't it Absolutely. so yeah that, that's fantastic at what point Helen did you hang up the shoes 
I only hung up the shoes when I was about 19. I still used okay. to go to classes when I went to university. But I struggled because I wasn't training as much throughout the week. I found it hard and, and I regret this. I wish I'd found a way to convert from the high level I was doing to maybe doing it just for enjoyment. But I was very frustrated that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't performing at the same level. And that's one of the yeah. biggest regrets. And if I, if and when I have the time, I want to be a silver swan, which is for women over 50, oh, wow. men as well, actually, who wish to go back to ballet. And I would love, I would love to do that and just do whatever I can. The turnout is still there. I still stand up very straight. Uh, yeah. But the, the the extension and the flexibility is gone. But I would love to go back to it because I think it's the ultimate form of exercise. What a lovely thing to look forward to in the future, to think Absolutely. that you'll uh, don yeah. that tutu again. That would be fabulous. Has that continued, that kind of connection to ballet continued throughout your working life in any way? I think I have to say I had a dream come true moment and this was when I had my first retail job in London and I'd gone from the auction house to work for the Royal Royal Warrant Holders Bentley and Skinner and they were in Bond Street in uh, in London and the owner was a huge patron of the Royal Ballet and with his connections uh, he was able to organize a an exhibition housed at the at the jewelers called uh, Royal called called Ballet Jewelry on and off the stage so I curated this exhibition and it it was absolutely incredible. I got to go behind the scenes and um, wow. I met some of the ballerinas. I, I met um, the gentleman who played the swan in Billy Elliot. So it was a heart-stopping moment. Yes. Um, and the exhibition was opened by Darcy Bustle and closed wow. by Jonathan Jonathan Cope. And my the, probably the highlight of my life was Darcy Bustle saying hello to me and saying, I can tell you're a ballerina. I mean, oh my goodness. <gasps> I think, yeah, I think wow. Very Pinch polite. me moments. I think it, it really it really was so yeah that was just incredible when so it shows you even if you don't get your dream job you can still make those sorts of dreams happen but in different ways absolutely and keep that connection alive without a doubt that's a lovely story so when you went to university Mm. having kind of reflected on the fact that you might not have been uh, the ballerina what did you study well, I studied history of art and architecture because, um, as I say, I was always very interested in the arts. But when I was studying, I saw a picture from the tomb of Tutankhamun, uh, the Egyptian pharaoh, and it was of a piece of his adornment. It was of a piece of jewellery, his pectoral. And I was amazed at how beautiful and symbolic this piece was. And a little bit like ballet, I've always been fascinated by nonverbal communication, and I love the story that it told. So I was fascinated with jewellery. So I knew then that I thought I'd love, I wanted to be a jewellery specialist. And um, a little bit like being a ballerina, it was very hard to get into. But I knew that the first thing to do after going home and saying to my mum, this is what I think I've decided. She said, that sounds wonderful. What do we need to do? So I went to university and I read art history, uh, history of art and, and architecture. Wow, that's fascinating. And and you know what really kind of resonates there is the fact that you, um, how articulately you just explained about that non-verbal communication mm. really hit home. It's nice. Right. Yeah. Um, 
you, you finished your studies and, and, you know, you've just said yourself it was difficult to get into. What, what's mm-hmm. the official title? Is it a, is it a gemologist? What, what, what yeah. is... In terms of studying, I, I did my first degree was history of art and architecture. I then did a, a, mm-hmm. a diploma in museum and art gallery studies because I was interested in decorative arts. I then uh, studied when I was working in the industry and I became a fellow of the Gemological Association. So, yes, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a gemologist. I'm also a qualified diamond grader, uh, a jewellery wow. historian. And, um, yeah, I just my real passion there is connecting people and jewellery together because I don't think you ever stop learning but I've done a great deal of study in this discipline and I'm I'm fortunate to feel I have a, a wealth of experience and my passion is connecting that with with people and by that you mean kind of uh, sentimental pieces that mean something to people as opposed to picking out the shiniest diamonds in the window which I guess most women would gravitate to yeah absolutely I think you've hit the nail on the head really I mean as a qualified gemologist and with the level of sort of academic qualifications I've got you would presume that I would be in a in an art gallery sorry a museum or a laboratory but no you've hit the nail on the head I love the stories that that jewelry can tell and that's what I'm really passionate about is the symbolism and the meaning the non-verbal communication and also being there for people at, at special times in their lives, so be it a wedding, an engagement, or even sadly when somebody's lost a loved one. Yeah. Jewelry is so important to connect that with, with people. Yeah, and, and, and do you know what? It goes on and on and on through generations, doesn't it? You know, if you can hold on to a, a dear piece of jewellery from a grandma or somebody that's passed and... Mm. Um, the sentimental value in that is uh, yeah. is something else, isn't it? There's a saying I have, which is, you know, we only ever are a guardian of a piece of jewellery for a fleeting moment in time. And that's mm. lovely when we think about it. We're honoured to, to hold a piece, but it's precious. But nothing's more precious than the memory of a loved one. And handing over the jewellery from one generation to the next is so very wonderful. True. And that's really the repurposing, which, which we'll hopefully touch on to, but is, is very relevant for me in everything I'm doing at the moment. Absolutely. And I feel, and, and excuse my ignorance, because uh, I'm, I'm obviously no jewellery expert, but I do feel like we don't make it like we used to. Is that fair to say? It's an interesting, it's an interesting point. Um, historically, jewellery styles have always come in and out of fashion, as have techniques. And mm-hmm. there is something magical about jewellery being made by hand. But there is a, 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 re, a reinvigoration, a renaissance of interest in, in jewellery like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, diamonds and jewelries outlive us all but the settings yeah. will just through time and, and wear and subside so they need to be re- redone again um but there's nothing like the, the eye you know the eye and seeing it and done by hand fantastic so wh- when did you first get into um kind of the line of work that you you kind of you're 50 50 in at the moment so at, in a jewelry shop marrying up people with pieces of jewellery am I to assume that you met your husband along this way yes yes indeed well I mean the edited version of my career would be that after I I got my qualifications I worked through the auction house that um it it was Phillips it's now Bonhams and that's where I really got my apprenticeship if you like handling lots and lots of jewellery but I as I say I loved people my favourite days were the sale days when generals of the public and also trade trade people would come in and I loved it bringing the jewellery to life 
So I then took um, a career in, in retail. And also, you, you know, it's hard. It's a niche industry and you have to come, you have yeah. to make a living out of it. So I'd worked in London. I was always very ambitious. I, I worked at Tiffany's. I became very senior for, for Tiffany's in Bond Street. Wow. Uh, but then I wanted to come home. And you can probably hear I'm, I'm northern and um, mm-hmm. I, mo- I moved back home in my mid-30s. And I had a, a my own retail business as well. I worked initially um, nationally supporting the company of master jewelers which is all the buying group of the individual independent retailers coming together and that's why i met my now husband who's philip ainsworth of ainsworth jewelers in blackburn through a long story uh, i ended up selling my own business um which was green and benz in sheffield but after covid phil and i really had that magical moment of thinking what's important and we decided that we wanted to work together and we thought wouldn't it be lovely to do something special with Ainsworth, but really consider what our values were. And we really wanted to make something special of the business and link it with the uh, the community and with education. But perhaps I should just tell you something lovely that I don't think many people know, actually. But um, Phil proposed to me on my birthday when he took me down to see uh, the ballet at the Royal Opera House, which is called oh. Jules. And Jules is the ballet representing diamonds, emeralds and rubies. So it's lovely that that moment brought everything together. What an absolutely perfect kind of scenario. Yeah. You, you almost couldn't write that. That's just giving me goosebumps, Helen. That's really beautiful. <laughs> but for, for, for the listeners mm. who may not be familiar with Ainsworth Jewellers, am I right in thinking it was uh, first established in 1870? It's an incredible business. You're spot on. Yes, it's 153 years old. Uh, Phil is fifth generation. And we are really working to to write a new chapter. Uh, We sat in the garden during COVID and and realised we we live behind the hospice in Macclesfield and realised with horror that if we weren't earning money, what on earth was happening to all the charities around us? So we thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to do something special with our business, which is an industry of love? And so we set up a few different projects, one of which is called Wendy's Legacy, and that supports the East Lancashire Hospice. So you mentioned repurposing jewellery. So we do this in memory of a loved one, and we hope to be there for people at a difficult time for them. But at the same time, we repurpose it, and we give a percentage donation to the hospice. So it's a wonderful way of, of giving back. And at the same time, I'm also lecturing and mentoring at the college at Blackburn College and University Centre, and we're teaching them the skills, and we're, we're working on projects to make sure the next generation is still involved in the business. That's fantastic. I mean, hats off to you. That's amazing to think about others at, at such a dark time. We went through a terrible few mm. years in this country, didn't we, with COVID? It was, um, just, you know. I- it, it brought out sometimes the best, didn't it, in people and what they were doing. And we just thought, let's try and do something that's going to make a difference. Absolutely. And I think the commu- the sense of community, um, you know, in and around everyone I was speaking to was incredible. If it wasn't dropping off, you know, food at the neighbours to, to kind of turn your business hand to mm. being able to give back to hospices, yeah. it was... Um, while it was a lot of negativity, there was definitely some positivity yeah. that came out of that period of time. I think as Fantastic. well, to be a jewellery specialist is a wonderful privilege. It's so unique. It's very different. 
And yeah. you know, I sometimes joke about, you know, I'm poncing around with jewellery, but there the NHS was doing all of this wonderful work and we had to think, what can we do? And it's yeah. really interesting, you know, when, when actually times are tough, there's more interest in jewellery. And that's because it's such a symbol of reassurance, of love, and people want to express themselves more at that moment. So it felt like a little bit of a voc- vocation at that time, which has been lovely. Yeah, fantastic. So m- more about the jewellers before we before we kind of mm-hmm. head over to a little bit more of an accidental career that's popped mm-hmm. up since then. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Ainsworth. So you, you do um, uh, jewellery, uh, I don't know if you would call it off the peg, moving on to, to our next so, subject. Very much. You do, so, um, yes. you do that kind of stuff. I, on, on the website, I see there's a vast range of price points as well. So, so often... People will be uh, almost a little nervous when they hear the, hear the word bespoke. Yes. They think, you know, and I, and I can see that you've uh, on, on the website, you've got a price point from uh, a couple of hundred pounds to multiples of tens of thousands. So yes. it's, you do cater for everybody. Is that right? Very much. And you're absolutely right. For me, jewellery just doesn't have to be expensive. It's about the symbolism. I'm very fortunate. I have some lovely pieces. Sapphire is my favourite. But perhaps my most precious piece that I I have is my grandmother's wedding ring because it's a simple gold band. But she was widowed at a young age, my grandmother, and she was so in love with my grandfather and the love that was represented and contained within that ring. Also, she was widowed and she wore my grandfather's ring on top of it. But the ring, her wedding ring was 22 carat gold. My grandfather's ring was nine carat and it eroded and misshaped the band. So I wanted to have this band as my wedding ring. But she, she was a, her fingers were larger than mine and the shape would have to be it would have to be both cut and re, remodeled and I didn't want it I didn't want that circle breaking breaking so you know I hope this so I, I actually wore it on my right hand on my wedding day but it just shows you oh. that the most precious pieces we all have are those with the biggest symbolic meaning and I go back to Tutankhamun it told a story and you don't have yeah. to do that with precious gems we do it with precious gems because they last a long time but mm-hmm. you can do it. anything can be jewelry glass can be jewelry plastic it doesn't matter it's about that expression uh, personality status class um, symbolism po- politics it's a rep- jewelry represents the world around us um, but as I say no it doesn't have to cost a lot and I just love it when it's for a wonderful reason and that that's what prompts people to come in. But perhaps yeah. the most relevant thing at the moment is, most people don't know, but 70% of the jewellery we own is left unworn in a jewellery box. And the biggest thing that's happening at the moment is people are bringing in that jewellery to be repurposed and reused again. Okay. Gold is at such a high price. So you're probably sitting on your ability to buy a piece of jewellery or have yeah. something special. And you just don't know that. So, yeah, I, I urge the readers to get the jewellery box out blow off the cobwebs and see what's in there and get themselves down to the shop. More recently, Helen, you've uh, you've diversified a little bit more and Mm -hmm. added something else to uh, the shop. Tell the listeners about what you've done more recently. I couldn't believe it when I heard you doing this accidental careers because you (laughs) came into my mind a few weeks ago. So, yes, I am now selling wedding dresses. And if you just sat there, I I was at a bridal fair just last week and I'm thinking, how on earth did this happen? (laughs) 
it is when helpful. did I go here yeah what on it yeah but but it's actually also hopefully one of the most logical journeys so we've just mm. actually spoken about this spoking um jewelry and I myself my husband and I got married a couple of years ago several sorted attempts after after covid uh but a couple of things all came together the first dress that I'd chosen um I, I didn't end up having that dress and I didn't like the experience of buying it and I I afterwards I got a dress that I sourced locally which was wonderful so I remember thinking, I'd like to, surely this can be done better. At the same time, Ainsworth Jewellers is quite a physically large store, and we mm-hmm. had the first floor that was being unused. And we thought, this is this is isn't good. We need to really. You have to work hard in retail at the moment. We thought, what can yeah. we do to really make this a destination? But our biggest passion is clients for life, and we love the fact if somebody comes in, we meet them at maybe at an engagement. We help them with their wedding rings, eternity rings. They come back with their family. We help them when maybe they've lost somebody. We're there for people at every moment in their lives, and we thought, well, wouldn't it be wonderful to add the wedding dress scenario to that what if we instead of we don't do the hard sell and I experienced the hard sell in dresses Mm, wouldn't it be lovely to do uh bring all our wonderful service and also repurpose dresses because that's what we do with jewelry so I have a wonderful collection of dresses I've sourced them locally from designers I have some one-off sample dresses that I've curated and bought I also have pre-loved dresses but for every single bride that buys a dress from us, we invite them back and we repurpose the dress into something they'd like, a black tie occasion, a christening gown, maybe yeah. something like a dressing up outfit. The seamstress has made teepees out of the large skirts. It's just incredible because for most women, the dress they've spent the most amount of money on, they'll never wear again, they'll never use, but they can never throw it away. So we yes, thought, that, how wonderful to celebrate the skills, and I found the most incredible seamstress, and also, as I say, provide a really, I hate to say, a loving, welcoming environment to buy your dress, and to know that you've got somebody to come back to again and again. Literally, you're giving me goosebumps the whole way through this, um, the, the whole way through this uh, conversation, Helen, because I had a, a, an experience, and my mum tells me off quite regularly about the most the expensive dress that's gathering dust um and for me whilst I thought about um you know kind of uh, giving it to a charity or Mm. doing whatever I had a similar experience when I was buying my wedding dress uh I I went round so many shops Mm. um and I got a lot of different hard sell etc and Mm. I I ended up with a woman who was the most soft gentle uh, beautiful woman um, and she's she's gone on to do such great things she's called uh, Jean Jackson and she was just incredible she yeah. made my dress yeah. uh, from scratch and she listened to me talk about all the things I didn't want and all the mm-hmm. things I did want and whilst I was talking she sketched and as she turned it around she said what about that and I remember being overwhelmed yeah. when I saw the pencil sketch yeah. um, and I didn't want to do all the usual things that people were doing with them, you know, getting it cleaned, popping it in a box, yeah. putting it in the loft. Or I wanted the kind of um, stain of the day almost mm. to stay on. So yes. it, it was, uh, it won't fit anybody else. It was made for me and, and it's gathering dust. And mum always says, you should do something with that dress. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to know that I could have gone back and had it, you know, I'm, I've been to so many black tie do's where I've stressed about 
I haven't addressed it where I, I, if I'd have known that it's that is an incredible service and I don't think there's anything like it elsewhere I don't think so and I think this is when you become when you go into an accidental career or you come in differently I think you can disrupt mm. the industry I think you can think differently and try some of the experiences and I think that's what's so wonderful uh, about this so it was a it was a whole personal and professional experience coming together I, I would like to say you're very welcome to bring that dress in and we'll still I should should I yeah but there's another fascinating to this in that um, we've also teamed up I would say I work very much with the East Lancashire Hospice mm-hmm. and of course the hospice will receive a lot of dresses so we're working together on this so they, they will often give me the dresses and then I can look to to sell those and give the money back to to the charity nice um, but also we work with projects with the university and uh, the, the students have got three of my dresses and they are going to be seen in the festival of making which is upcoming in Blackburn and they have been transformed into some incredible conceptual works of art, but also yeah. some fashion pieces. And one a dress of mine, not my wedding dress, but another one, is, has been uh, transformed by my seamstress into a black tie dress, which I hope to be wearing at various different occasions. So Absolutely. it's skills, charity, love, all of these things coming together fantastic that's amazing and and listen i might take you up on that offer and dust off the cobwebs for that dress yes, i mean it goes good. nowhere near me now so it will need an extension helen it doesn't fit me anymore so so what's next is there any more plans for development in the store yeah we never we never stop well just never stop this last week we opened a little pop-up shop in the cathedral and um it was called inspired so we um we we were inspired by the bridal business is called inspired and i hoped it was an inspired idea but also we have been inspired by the cathedral the stained glass there so we have a range of glass jewelry that's inspired by the colors and form and uh construction of the of the cathedral window and we've installed a collection of it's de Leon jewellery and that's lovely and again we want we thought if we can make a profit out of that let's share that so that gives a percentage to the cathedral which is lovely so maintenance and things yeah so that that's really lovely Um, and we're hoping to carry on expanding inspired Um, I want to open up another room in the shop on the first floor and have a room of creativity whereby the seamstress will be able to come in not only see that have a fitting room and the showroom but be able to share her skills which she's passionate about so workshops with the community as well as with the with the college um but yeah we just continue the the shop's wonderful at the moment we've really changed we've we've put a lot more um capacity to increase dwell time so people can come in there's lots more soft spaces to sit and we can talk to people about their jewelry which is wonderful and i have more colored stones i have more beautiful diamonds so people are spending buying less but spending more and my husband and i feel are taking more time to really get to know and share that expertise and and that's that's lovely so we'll continue to to grow that fantastic what do you do to relax helen <laughs> um well at the moment every weekend is doing bridal fairs so uh, i'm up at <laughs> welcome and so we don't relax I, I confess i drink too much wine that that's one thing yeah listen cheers to that that's what i say <laughs> cheers to that indeed yeah. fabulous yeah for, for the listeners tell us where we can find the shop first and foremost and it's in blackburn but whereabouts it's in the heart of blackburn it's very close to the cathedral we're on 57 to 59 Darwin Street you can't miss us we're quite a double fronted uh, building and there's the flags up there for inspired as well 
And there's a website? Yes, you can. My own website, helendimmick.com, but there's also ainswithjewelers.com. Fantastic. And I, I've seen some lovely pictures on Instagram and I can see that you're quite active on LinkedIn. So we'll tag all of that in there. Yeah, for you we too. do a lot. And, and perhaps just to finish off, if I just tell you about the picture that um, that we sent. So I was very, very fortunate. Gosh, it's a few years ago now, but I was um, selected as one of the, the top 100, which is a, an industry accolade. And, and I was very lucky and that a very dear friend of mine actually sits on the board of, this, of the Central Ballet in London. Oh. And he, bless him, organised a photo shoot for me with the ballerinas so even when I'm sitting down you can probably see that I'm very I'm quite a bit taller and bigger than the the ballerinas but that was just this lovely moment when everything came full full circle and um, yeah so I thought I'd send you that photograph it's a beautiful picture, which we will also share. But it 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 also shows you've still got that grace, Helen. When you sit, you sit well. It, you look beautiful in that picture. So we I will think, definitely be using that. Yeah, ballet teaches you to stand tall, and even though I'm a tall person, I, I do that. I, I walk. I know everyone sort of says I walk with my back up straight, and I think that's a great metaphor for life, really. Indeed. Well, listen, you're doing a fantastic job. I may see you soon with my wedding dress, but I'm sure I'll see you around and about on the on the circuit at some point, winning an award or, oh, or such like. But, uh, lovely to see you. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Helen. Oh, and what a lovely chat that was. How lovely it was, Helen. Thanks again, Helen. Anybody wants a special piece of jewellery, get yourselves down to Ainsworth Jewellers in Blackburn. I'm sure that they'll come up with a masterpiece. Until next time, that was Accidental Careers Podcast. 